0: Hey there, travelers. I'm Coley. And I'm Joshua. And we're the host of the Traveling Families Podcast.
1: We're a traveling family exploring the country as full-time RVers with our twin sons and dog on an indefinite road trip.
0: The Traveling Families Podcast is an interview show where we talk with other parents about their opinions, perspectives, and experiences in many of the areas that make up a traveling lifestyle.
1: So pour a drink and join us as we dive into the details of one family's journey. Anna and Colin, welcome to the Traveling Families Podcast. We're excited to have you guys here today. Tell us about your family, who you're traveling with, your makeup, kids, pets.
2: Uh, well, when we got ready to launch, we had a dog and lost him about three weeks before we uh, we were going to leave. So that was kind of a bummer. But so that just the two of us and then our, our two kids. So we have Anna, myself, Lily, and Hunter. And the kids are 18 months and four years old. So
0: youngins. <laughs> yeah. So that's the who. us about what. Your rig, your setup. What are you traveling in? We
3: have a 2021 Grand Design Solitude 3740BH, and so it's got the the bunk house in the back. We converted the top bunk into a crib for Hunter, and Lily has her own bunk bed.
2: And every time that you think that you've got stuff where you want it, you you make the mistake of walking into somebody else's rig and deciding you want to remodel again. So.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I don't know all the types. Is that a fifth wheel?
2: Yes. It is. It is. Yeah. We okay. put fifth wheel with a, a bunk house in the back. So
1: awesome. And what are you towing it with?
2: We've got a Ram 3500 cool. 2020. So it was after the, one of the big things we actually were looking at the Ford 450, F450, mm-hmm. but it was after they redid the frame. So it was, it had a lot higher carrying capacities. So we were able to go down to that 3500 series truck. So dually or single axle? uh dually how's that it keeps it from going side to side and all the wind so that's super nice
3: definitely a lot wider when you're trying to park somewhere yeah than what yeah.
2: yeah and I, I had a handful of 2500 series trucks of single rear wheel in the past and i'll tell you what the dually the 30 the 3500 with a stiff suspension it's certainly not a truck you would buy to just drive for an everyday everyday driver but at the same time like it's we have it for a purpose. We use it to pull I, our house around and given the size and the weight and we've increased the uh, axles, the overall weight rating of the camper so that we could load up with solar and batteries and extra stuff. And it just, so it's, it, that's why we have the 3500. It's, we don't drive it because it's comfortable. We drive it because it's exactly what we need.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, you don't want to get something that's a little more comfortable and then drive through red flag wind conditions for an entire 8-hour dra- travel day that happened to us recently and be blown oh, no. all over the place. We did it, we, were fine. we were fine, but it I mean I felt it like it definitely I guess I felt it more cuz they were also doing road construction, so they had you like half on the shoulder, half on the road and like really tight. And
2: I'll tell you what the worst thing is when you do those days and you're white knuckling it all day, you get to where you're going and you're just exhausted mm-hmm. whereas the you're not exhausted when you get there and you've been comfortable driving all day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How long have you guys been traveling?
2: We've
3: been on the road for, let's see, 14 months. So yeah. a little over a year.
2: We had a fifth wheel and a, and a bumper pull before this. And then when we decided to go full time, we, we got this one and it's, it's been good. We originally said we'd give it a year and to reevaluate. And, and you know, now we've got a rough idea of what we want to do for like three years. So,
1: so you guys switched rigs after you left, like in the middle of traveling?
3: No, we, we ordered this one, and as soon as it came in, we hit the road.
1: what you're using for internet?
2: Yeah, so internet, we have a PepWave mobile router, the dual, dual modem router. We're on a AT&T and Verizon plan. The AT&T one has since lapsed or is no longer available. So we we're looking at a couple different options, but we just recently ordered the uh, Starlink
1: all right. Why did you guys start traveling? What was the impetus for leaving out and and getting out on the road to travel?
2: I used to watch a lot of videos on sailing. And if Anna didn't get seasick, we would be on a sailboat sailing around the world. But uh, we had gone camping a lot and started kind of switched over watching a lot of RV and camping videos on YouTube and other families. And all of a sudden you, you realize that, hey, you can do this with a family and be on the road. And I run my own business, so I'm able to work from from the road as long as I have phone service or internet. And uh, so we just knew there was a lot of things we wanted to see and, and go do. And we got to travel a lot for work previously, but it was always 16, 18-hour days. And we never got to see the places we were traveling because we were just stuck staring at a computer and and working the whole time. So...
0: So what is it exactly that you do?
2: I work with insurance companies and contractors on catastrophe insurance claims. I was an insurance adjuster for years, just kind of converted over to working with the contractors, documenting things the way that insurance companies need to see them. So when contractors go out and do repairs, they take all the photos and I'm able to do everything virtually.
0: That's really cool. It's always interesting to find out or hear what other people are doing for income sources because it's so varied. You, as long as you can make it somewhat remote, you can make it happen. So that's really cool.
1: How are you guys handling healthcare, doctors, dentists, orthodontists, prescriptions, all that jazz on the road?
3: So we have Medishare. So it can go any state that accepts Medishare. You have, you can find like a list of doctors in your area. Lily's basically yearly shots and we're usually around Colorado or home base when when that happens. Prescriptions, we just go through Walgreens since they're pretty much anywhere. Hunter still has to get shots. So we try to go through what is it, the the health department, but we have ran into some issues in like Louisiana with the health department. So when we just got back here, we just got all the we're gonna get all the shots.
2: Yeah, because yeah, some some states, as long as you know what you need and you have, have the records, they're good. But like in Louisiana, we ran, were going in there and they said, you you can't pay cash. at The health department in Louisiana apparently had to be on Medicaid in order to go there. So that was an issue there. But I don't know that that's an issue everywhere. And it's just one of those things. Worst case scenario, we have to pay an extra initial.
3: To establish. Establish.
2: Yeah. Right. but that's, that's kind of the cost of doing business, right? That's the cost of being on the road. It's kind of like the high fuel costs. We can either choose to not do what we're doing and sit, or we can accept it and say, you know what, at the end of the year, it's going to cost a couple thousand dollars extra to go see everything we want to do. We might slightly adjust things, but you know, we're on the road and doing this for a reason. We want to go see things and experience life and take, you know, take our kids on things that they would never see if they were in school or reading a book. We're taking them to see the things they read books about. Right. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So you talk about like your children and getting them to expose. I know they're pretty young, but do you guys do any sort of formal homeschooling or how are you handling any learning or schooling for your kids?
3: Yeah. So right now we're doing preschool for the good and the beautiful program with Lily. It just Mm -hmm. to see how she handles homeschool. And I've noticed she's not as focused in the mornings. And so she's more focused in the Evenings and afternoons and so that has been like to her benefit on learning that we could do homeschool in the afternoons instead of in the mornings, and she learns and retains more of the information and she definitely would not get that in like a normal school setting. So we're going to keep doing the good and beautiful program for kindergarten next year.
2: And and also like we, everywhere we go, if we go to like the national parks, she loves the junior ranger program, getting the badges and she's got her own little vest and everything. It really keeps her engaged when we're at all the national parks, learning about stuff. And, you know, when we took off, she was three years old and what other three-year-old is driving down the highway pointing out hey look a saguaro cactus after being being to the national parks and learning about things so there's a certain level of things that they learn about on the road that they just wouldn't have the opportunity to learn in school you know
0: absolutely agree our boys have done the junior ranger program also and i learned a lot actually going through it with them there's there's definitely a lot of information Yeah. And you just look around. And so I know we had done a stop off and we just drove past and it was like a local Indian museum. And it was fairly small. But, you know, we were there for a couple of days. I was like, hey, we'll go check it out. So there's definitely never a lack of things to facilitate learning at any age. Yes.
1: Off of the the junior injured program, I saw in a Facebook group the other day that the and I didn't think about this, we should do it next time we go that the parents were filling out the packet too and getting the badges. And then they were busting the pin off the back and sticking a magnet on it and getting commemorative national park magnets out of, out of the junior ranger huh, program. Now, that's kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Now, back to a little logistical question. What are you guys using for full-time RV insurance?
2: It's really tough for us because we registered everything, purchased everything through a business and business. It's, it's tough because a lot of them in order to write an insurance policy for us it has to be us doing business as our business name. So realistically if something were to happen right now, it's the hotel is on us. They're they're going to cover the actual property, but they're not going to cover our hotel expenses and some of those extra expenses that would be covered under a full-time policy. So we're constantly trying to shop that, to be honest. And if we find something better, we will. But, um, but you know, it's pretty limited.
3: But we're currently through State Farm.
0: Okay. And is that, since you said it's through a business, is that considered like, a, what am I thinking of? Commercial insurance?
1: Is that the right word? It's because Colin travels with insurance stuff that, like, instead of paying for hotels, I'm assuming you're just using the rig as your...
2: Well, we, when we started our travel company to do everything, it's a set, it's we started a separate company to run our travel company and do podcasts. And uh, we haven't really done podcasts yet. That's something we hope to venture into in the future, but YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of that stuff. And we may venture into some marketing of some sort in the future. But it, basically, when we started that, we did it as a separate company. And then the company bought all, everything. So, Given the fact that the company owns the truck, the company owns the camper, they don't want to write a full-time personal policy for it. So, right,
1: it makes a lot of sense. It's
2: just it's it's great for taxes. It's really tough for insurance. Sure.
1: Yeah, and that's it. That's a good point. Is that oftentimes those two are at odds. The one thing that could be good for you on a tax standpoint is also the one that could leave you most vulnerable from insurance and then the other way around something that covers your butt on insurance is definitely not the most tax advantageous right
0: yeah so another logistical question how are you guys handling mail while on the road
3: we're domiciled in florida and so we go through my rv mail and so everything gets sent to florida and they we have an app that we downloaded And they will scan the outside of every envelope and email it to us every day through the app. And then we can choose to whether have them scan all the documents inside or shred it, or you can mail
0: it to your location where you're at. Nice. Awesome. I hadn't heard of that one before, but. Sounds very similar to how escapees is who we use. Yeah, handles.
2: cool thing is they give you the ability to register if you like move your residency and everything. Same same thing, similar to mm-hmm. escape. Where we moved our residency to Florida, we had the renewal notice in the mail for Colorado for the truck and camper, and it was like twenty three hundred bucks for the year. And Whoa. with re- with, yeah. with retitling everything to Florida, and paying the extra eighty dollars to have the title printed right on site. Still came to 380 bucks for both of them combined. So <laughs> there was a little bit of a savings by moving to Florida, you
0: know? Absolutely. Oh, I, you know, it's funny. People always think about Florida and Texas and Washington State because of the no income tax. But like when you look at fees like that, just the cost to register your vehicle, like that's a crazy savings.
3: Yeah, our car, our insurance went up about $100 from Colorado
2: but
3: mm-hmm. it doesn't exactly yeah it was like out. 10 bucks a
2: month so it <laughs> yeah. doesn't offset the amount of savings that we got and and the bureaucracy and everything's so much easier I feel like in Colorado at least we had so many there's so many red flags so much tape to cut through to get anything done whereas there it was in and out in a couple days and I mean realistically if we had everything we needed it would have been a matter of like four or five hours we could move to our residency and done
3: Got license cool. plates, driver's license, insurance, everything done within a couple hours.
1: That's cool. Very cool. Is there anything that you guys miss from your sticks and bricks?
3: My dishwasher. Miss my dishwasher.
2: <laughs> For a while, Anna really struggled with the community, sense of community. Yeah. I think that is a big one when you first get on the road. and Realizing or recognizing homesickness It's something that I think we all go through when you, you know, when you leave the house when you're a kid and then when you develop that family, that family that you choose, the friends that you live around and the the friends that you spend every day with and you decide to go do something new, you're going to have that homesickness, wanting to, longing for that community. And um, I think last summer, we moved so darn quick the first portion of the time. I'd say the first six months we were on the road. And then we were going the opposite way of everybody. everybody. Everybody we were meeting was going west and we were going east up, up over the UP. And so we weren't running into the same people or, or really developing a sense of community. And so I think that was one of the really cool things about being down in Florida over the winter and having a little bit of extended time. We met a handful of people and now we've started to run into them in different places or keep, we've got a better community of people that we keep in touch with. And, and if, if we haven't talked to you recently, we, we know we'll see you again soon. So I think that's really helped.
0: Awesome. I know some full time families will actually plan to like be at the same campground for a week or two, or try even like, hey, we're going to travel along as like a caravan for a couple weeks. Have you guys done any of that?
3: We've met up with a couple of friends. We'd text up and be like, hey, where are you at? We have, we need plans for next week. And we were able to meet up with a couple of them. And then in Utah, we're going to meet up with quite a few families that we've met in Florida, but we don't have much plans after you well, to meet up with people.
2: Yeah, and that's—I'm sure—that's something that comes, and we continue as people's plans always change. And so, from Florida, it's where do you go? Everybody either goes west or they go north. And mm-hmm. so, you're going to see—you're going to see some people, and then it's just a matter of keeping in touch with people. And and uh, I'm sure a month or two later, we'll run into somebody else again. It is what it is. But at the end of the day, we're not on the road to spend every day, all day with the same people, but it's really nice to see those familiar faces and and enjoy conversation and, and stories about each other's lives, you know.
1: Most definitely. So jumping off that, how have you guys found the best way to, to stay connected with friends and family back in Colorado, but also stay connected with people that you meet on the road? What what's worked for you guys?
3: I guess they, with family back home video chat has been the best way of staying connected. Before we left, we bought the grandparents a video, I guess, picture frame where we can send pictures from our phones and it pops up automatically on their picture frame at home.
1: Mm-hmm. So that
3: that's kind of helped them like see where we're at and stay connected. People on the road, if we don't have like their phone numbers, I guess Instagram, we kind of keep in touch and keep track of everybody through social media. So I guess that that's helped us
2: in a way. Yeah. Having that community. I think yeah.
1: so. Have you guys been able to find a way that works for you to meet your spiritual needs while in road? I know obviously transferring to different locations frequently can be difficult to get into a community. How have you guys handled that?
2: I think that's tough. You know, I mean, I, I struggled with that a lot, a lot when I was working as an insurance adjuster, because because I was so busy in that, I was constantly traveling for work as well. So, I think developing friends and family where you go, and and finding little ways to fit into the community and and do things. Obviously, the longer you're in a certain place, or if you make friends that are have roots in a specific place, it makes it easier to to join them on a service or join them on a an event or something. But uh, mm-hmm. it is difficult. I think that's something we're still trying to figure out. To be honest.
0: Another type of connection that can be difficult with our traveling lifestyles, given the size of our homes. How have you guys worked on maintaining the intimate relationship between you as married couple?
3: The kids have a separate bedroom in the back, and our bedroom's up in the front. Both of them have doors, so I don't think it's been too difficult.
2: Well, and our kids are young, yeah. so that makes it a little easier, but I mean... The running joke and fifth wheels that have laundry machines shake a lot. So <laughs> the running joke is, oh yeah, they're up there doing laundry. I think given our situation where the the kids are are real young and, and it's big enough, we you know our our rig's pretty darn stable. So it's not. It really hasn't been an issue. What is
1: dictating where you guys travel? The locations that you go and the destinations you end up being at is it? Based off of weather, is it based off of work? Is it based off of a, a bucket list?
3: I say weather and a bucket list. We put together a bucket list on using Google Maps and put in all the places where we want to go. And then weather-wise, we want to stay 70 degrees or warmer because the winter is not nice anymore. <laughs> but um, I guess we picked out a grand design rally in Idaho, so we're making our way to Port Lane for that and just kind of picking stops along the way we want to go see.
2: Yeah. have a You know, we knew last year we wanted to go up to the UP and down to Florida. And then this year, what do you want to do? Let's, let's, you know, if we're going to do the Coeur d'Alene, Idaho rally for Grand Design, let's, let's do the Rockies all the way up. So we can mm-hmm. see all the national parks and all of that stuff. And then, you know, I think we pick a few events that we want to do, and then we just kind of, let's take our time getting there and find some real fun stuff along the way. Some stuff might be a repeat. We did we came through Texas a little quicker this year because we had spent quite a bit of time there last year. But at the same time, we got to do a crawfish boil with my aunt and uncle for Easter again, and and see some family, and then and then experience some of the fun stuff along the way as well. I can't see it all, so just kind of wherever we're going to go, what's what do we want to see along the way? You know, right? Yeah.
0: So, do you guys have any sort of time frame or an idea of how long you intend to
2: travel? We said at the beginning we would do a year and reevaluate and we kind of have a rough idea of what we might do for almost three years now given the fact we're following weather and so the other thing i always tell everybody is when we get bored with it we'll do something different nothing says that because you sold your house and you went rving around the country that that's the end of everything and you have to keep doing it or you have to or you've you know the thing i always hear is oh you're going to ruin your future because you don't have a house all that money is in investments. And I mean, the last couple of weeks might not have been good for investments in the stock market, but, <laughs> but overall it's one of those, if, if we decide we want a house, we'll, we'll buy a house. If we, uh, we decide we want to keep doing this, we'll keep doing it. So I don't know that it has to be a all or nothing.
0: Exactly. I think one of the things that does permeate this culture of like RV, whether you're doing it full-time or most time is the idea of just stepping outside of the box or the sticks and bricks and like open to possibilities like there isn't one way to do it you can do it however it works for your family or the situation or the time so what do you wish you knew before you started traveling like if you could time travel back and tell yourself or give yourself a piece of advice or just be forewarned what would it be
3: oh uh, I guess I would like to know I would have liked to know that things are going to break and they're going to break often in your camper and you just got to fix it and go go along with the flow like we've had so many things like break or fall off that we had to like just nail it back together or push it back in and you're you're going to be fine
2: and it yeah. doesn't like when things are are busted and thankfully <laughs> i used to be in construction and can fix most of them
1: <laughs> do you have any horror stories
2: I mean, the first week we were on the road was tough because I, I don't know, you know, you're always trying to figure out every camper, every trailer you hook up and it, and it hauls different, or you have a different checklist or something. And I don't know what the deal with, Oh, we had faulty stairs or a, a something with the more ride right steps, wasn't staying latch or staying up. And it didn't have a latch on that first, the solid steps. Mm-hmm. And, um, so when we're driving down the road, 60 miles an hour, I look back and the door on our camper is just flying wide open.
0: Oh no, um, <laughs> that would <yeah>. not be.
3: <laughs> I yeah. mean,
2: and it seemed like the first week every time, and granted we had some rough roads to start, but every single time we got on the road, like every single day there was something falling or breaking or the the sink. We would like, we didn't realize that when we left in this camper, because the kitchen faucet rotates and then you hit a bump and it opens the valve so oh. in the old camper we never had worried about like draining the line back before we traveled and in this camper we got to make sure water pressure's off the every the uh, pumps off and then we drain the drain the lines before we pull it so that it doesn't do anything but before we figured that out it rotated right over the top of our uh, dinette dinette, leaked a bunch on it and warped the wood so oh. you know second trip out you've got the the end of the dinette is all warped and the the finish is coming off of it you know like okay great well that's fun
3: yeah we didn't have a lot of things organized before we hit the road we got a weather notice saying that we were set to get three foot of snow in Colorado when we were supposed to still be here so we kind of just threw everything in every corner and hit the road before the snow came and so nothing was organized things were falling out of the pantry we had like cans behind the slide and we weren't checking behind the slides so when we would open the slides the can would pop off the trim piece because it got stuck behind there and mm-hmm. it was just a
2: travel fire. Thing. well we we literally we got the camper and we left almost a week ahead of when we had planned so it was I mean we hadn't done anything other than pile stuff in we were getting our house ready to sell and we wound up taking off the day they were cleaning the cleaning the house to get it ready to sell because we are like, well, it, we're they're calling for three foot of snow and 60 mile an hour winds. I'm not pulling the camper through that. And we're not sitting around for that. So And mm-hmm. they got
3: three feet of snow. Yeah.
2: Well,
1: that's good. At least what you were worried about did happen. So you didn't feel like you rushed for <laughs> nothing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that you have diff- two different
0: rigs. So what about, what do you like most about your current rig? And alternatively, what do you dislike most about your current rig?
3: I like how it, it's like a lighter brown, not like dark brown, like our last rake, like everything was super, super dark. And this actually has like some light gray finishes to it, I guess. They have
2: like the, I would say 90s to like mid 2000s, 2010, 2012 was like, everything was super dark. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this, this definitely is a lot nicer. And for me, I would think, the nice thing about this rig is that it's 40 feet and I have a little separation from the kids when they want to play. And I'm up, you know, I created a desk in our, in our bedroom above the, took the top plate off of our, our dresser and extended it out to the, to the closets. So I'd have a, basically a desk to sit, sit up there and work. And the thing I also hate about it is that it's 40 feet because it makes it difficult to get into national parks and stuff like that. And we love to boondock; we love to do stuff like that. So we're just constantly riding that struggle bus of can we get in here, or are we just going to park right outside of it? And it is what it is. You know, that's just that's again the cost of doing business. That's that's the price we pay to be have a level of comfort and still be able to travel and do what we're doing.
1: Yeah, it is definitely that teeter totter of do you want. What's more important to you the being comfortable when you're at home or the getting into the awesome locations, because it seems like most of them, it's, you got to choose one or the other.
2: Yeah. When you find a 30 foot fifth wheel that works really well for a family and I don't have to be crunched in with the kids, you let me know. I'll buy that one.
1: (laughs) Speaking of that, and this isn't exactly the way, but I'm sure we'll come up, someone will come up with innovative solutions to start doing that. But I saw a truck camper that had a patio so it had a side door instead of a rear door and the whole back eight foot folded down like a toy hauler so you had a patio off of a truck camper and i was like you just doubled your square footage there yep. yeah yeah i saw that
3: too that looked that awesome.
2: was at the tampa show wasn't it. did they have that one at the tampa show
1: i don't know i saw a picture of it online it
2: on oh you saw it on yeah. facebook cool yeah
1: the tampa show was absolutely crazy It was the first big show that i've ever been to and like over a thousand RVs. I was there for three or four days and I don't feel like I even saw half of it.
3: Yeah we went two days and it was overwhelming.
2: Yeah well I got a really good idea on how to how to make rooftop patios on these things that would be like covered rooftop patios oh yeah it would increase a lot of space but
1: is this, a secret? To get... is this a secret plan
0: yeah otherwise tell me more
2: <laughs> well i i uh, i kind of want to patent the the okay. brackets okay. and how to do it but uh i'll fill you in on it we'll keep in touch on it i'll fill you in on it when we uh you know van life they do a lot of the rooftop patios and some of the schoolies they're starting to do i yeah. mean schoolies that's a big thing but then you don't really see that on any of the fifth wheels and i have a pretty good way to add that without increasing i mean you'd increase weight slightly but very very little we'll be looking the, for the it, issue yeah. would be the issue would be finding a good place to put stairs to get into it without having to go on the ladder on the back or something you know? yeah you know? but yeah, that's like nice they've, got
1: their, they've got the hatch
2: right they've got oh, that yeah. so you could do a hatch and steps up to a patio and then it's just a matter of creating it the right way so that it's safe for everybody and you know all that good stuff so
1: I mean, Colin, if you're going to put a patio on your roof, you might as well just include an elevator or a a dumbwaiter and then just you can pull people up with a winch.
2: Don't give me stupid ideas. I'll find a way to it. All right.
0: Kind of changing gears. I was going to say, what has been your favorite destination so far?
3: I really enjoyed going to Bryce Canyon. Colin decided for Mother's Day he was going to take me on on a hike, three and a half mile hike to see the hoodoos. And I was at the moment wanting to kill him, but it was so beautiful. And we both had kids strapped in backpacks on our backs, hiking three and a half miles in Bryce Canyon, but it was so worth it. It was beautiful. So I think that's probably my favorite spot right
2: now. Yeah. And I was really looking forward to Zion out there, but it was closed for all those mudslides last year, or or at least uh, the Narrows and Angels Landing were closed for mudslides. So weren't able to do that. But Bryce Canyon was, was amazing. It was it was really cool. So I like I like Mackinac Island too. I mean that's one of those that was awesome.
1: Yeah. A lot of times people don't think of Michigan in the Great Lakes, but they're absolutely beautiful. In the in the summertime.
2: In the summertime. Yeah. yeah. Well that's the thing. Yeah. You know, where could you move tomorrow? And and uh, if you had to pick somewhere. And I always tell everybody, I'm like, man, if it wasn't for winter, I could move to Mackinac Island. I loved it. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to sit up there. I don't want to be in Michigan at all during the winter, you know? And uh, I guess traveling has made us because we really like the beaches, but I don't want to be in Florida during the summer. And, uh, you know, I really like Utah, but that's a spring and fall place. I don't really want to be there in the middle of winter or the summer in the desert, you know? So if I could pick 17 different places, maybe that's the solution. I don't know. (laughs) Well,
1: it is. You're bringing your house with you. That's right. You're doing it.
0: Yeah. That's definitely been something that I've experienced in the short few months that we've been here. We did spend a couple of winter or months in Florida and I was like, I totally get sunbirds now, but I wouldn't, snowbirds, sunbirds, whatever you want to call yeah. them, but I would never want to be there in the summer because if it was that 70 to 80 degree weather in February, <laughs> I yeah. do
1: not want to experience June or July.
2: Well, with the humidity on top of that, no thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. well we have humidifiers and in, in florida we were emptying them every other day and now in the west coast where i don't know if we've emptied it in a month
3: <laughs> yeah we need to get like humidifiers, humid yeah. Yeah. It's so dry right in now.
2: colorado it's yeah you were talking about getting out the what do you call it where you put the oils in it all right diffuser diffuser yeah. yeah putting one of those out just to try and help a little bit inside because it's so dry
1: yeah so outside of balancing the length of your rig to get into some of the scenic places. What's been the hardest part about living a traveling lifestyle?
2: I traveled for work for 13 years. So, I mean, to be honest, it's, I, I've been so used to it that it really hasn't bothered me on that aspect. I mean, I would say, Anna gets a little frustrated with planning because I'm kind of, she likes to be planned out as far as she can possibly think to be planned out organized. And I'm kind of like, oh, we'll find a spot tomorrow. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. So finding the balance there is pretty interesting sometimes. I drive her nuts.
3: Yeah, trying to find, yeah. I literally just booked this weekend spot yesterday. So. And in Colorado, it's a nightmare to find places to camp if you're paying to, to camp. So.
1: Right.
0: But you found one. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, it's in the middle of town in a dirt pile, but we found it. <laughs>
0: So since you've been traveling, it was easy transition, but what's been one of the craziest things you've seen or experienced while traveling?
2: Really bad mobile tech cutting the entire (sighs) underbelly on our rig to replace a motor that was covered by warranty instead of just dropping the underbelly or that portion of it to get access. Just took a box knife and cut all the way across my rig.
3: And not even a straight line.
2: And then he and then he tried to hide it with a underbelly tape. Didn't even like put it up very well. Didn't even last a day. Uh, oh my gosh. That's... So then they never, they never invoiced Grand Design for the repairs, which, cause I talked to Grand Design and said, you do not, you know, we put a hold on it. Said, no, no do not pay these guys until we get this worked out. It damaged my rig. Yeah. And then they were ghost obviously. So. It was, uh, so at that point. Um,
1: so you got it fixed for the price of a cut underbelly.
2: Yeah. So then John with Rider Days Ahead came over when we were actually at Margaritaville in Florida and helped me. We took two days to drop the underbelly. I had ordered the new material and we custom cut it and pulled the entire new one in and replaced the whole thing. And I'll tell you what, if he wasn't there to help me, it would have been, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare with him, but good Lord without him. I don't know. I, you need, it's a two or three person job at least to do that.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. What's your favorite memory you have since being on the road? That's a tough one. Yeah. Or one of, you don't have to pick the one. Yeah. I
0: hate picking the
2: favorite. Yeah. At the Badlands was pretty cool. I thought that was really fun. That was, I would say that was one of the first times we really got to flex our solar system and, and just play, and and just be out there and enjoy and settle down. We also had some people that came camped camped with us that we met on the road again. They had a daughter that was about the same age and we you know, we had a blast. So there's you know, again making that that community and enjoying the scenery. We we grew up just boondocking and never paying for camping anyway, so that's that's been interesting getting used to paying for a campsite. <laughs>
3: It's been fun seeing the kids interact with other kids like at the playgrounds and just making new friends everywhere they go. It's been
0: fun. I've noticed that with our own boys. Like if there is a kid, doesn't matter if there's a huge age gap or not. They're gonna beeline over to that kid and say, Hey, you wanna play? But when you were talking about like flexing your solar, how what's the longest stretch you've gone for boondocking? I don't
2: know, five, ten days. We pretty much have never run out, we've never the system is set up so that basically power is never the issue it's always water becomes the issue right um so i mean we've got over 1300 watts of solar on the roof 600 amp hours of lithium batteries two victron 3000 inverters the 250 over 50 solar charge controller so i mean we've even got room up there we can throw another two or three solar panels up there. And if you're talking about possibly upgrading the fridge from a camper, it's a gas electric going mm-hmm. just to a, just to a residential. And we still like, I was, I was looking, we'd probably add another couple hundred amp hours of lithium if we did that, but, you know, that way we could still run that and still run the AC units on a battery and not worry about it. But battery has never been an issue. Once we put that on there, I shouldn't say never 90, <laughs> 95 degree, 95 degrees. When you want to run both AC units, you're still going to kick on that generator so that you can, you can run both of them. Yeah. yeah,
1: you know? definitely.
0: Yeah. Our first experience, like, I mean, up to date, Everywhere we've gone, like, they may not have full hookups, but they generally have water and electric, like, basic 30-amper, you know. And we had our first situation where we went and pulled up, and we went to go, like, hook the water up, and the spigot's been closed off, and it's, like, taped over. Um, And so then we went back and looked at the fine print, and it was like, yeah, no water at this spot. And we, we just weren't expecting it, so we weren't prepared. But we made it, as we've talked about, we just, you fix it and you move on.
2: Well, we had a similar situation. We just booked a place for a month that we thought was full hookups, and turns out it has
3: water and electric.
2: Water and electric, but no dump, and you have to pay. It's like sixteen hundred bucks for the month. It's
3: seventeen hundred dollars for the month's day. and you still have to pay fifteen dollars every time you want to dump your tanks.
2: Really? What? Yeah. Or or they bring his honey wagon for sixty bucks. <laughs> I'm like. Dude, that's crazy. For 1700 a month, you should be able to, you know, you should be able to use the facility or the dump station, even if it doesn't have a, you know, even if your site doesn't have it. But Yeah, yeah
0: exactly.
1: <laughs>
2: Where in the country is this? That was in Utah.
0: Over by Provo.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
0: We stopped in Provo just recently, just literally to get dinner, and they we were going to go down to one burger joint, but it was, like, right downtown. We had the dog, and they didn't have outdoor seating, but, like, right around the corner was Chom, C-H-O-M, and it was delicious. So if you're by Provo and you like burgers, I recommend. We'll have to check that
2: out. I was going to say, we love burgers. Yeah. I like food. We like food in general, I should say. You know, (laughs) if it's good, we're all about it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so we've got a few quick quick questions at the end here. What's your current favorite piece of gear? Oh, My smoker. Tell me more.
2: Oh, it's a, a Green Mountain grill. Was it the Davy Crockett, the, the real small one? We just did a reel yesterday on it, actually, because we pulled in. It's dry. They said no fires outside a designated fire pit. They weren't even allowing charcoal grills, anything. I was like, well, can I use my my pellet grill? He said, no. If if it burns anything, you can't do it. He's like, Do you want to put it inside the fire pit, then that's fine. And I found a way to fit that smoker inside the fire pit so that I could, you know, go ahead and use it.
1: That's awesome.
0: <laughs> Again,
1: making yeah, things work. Yeah,
0: <laughs>
3: I guess the smoker is good because so then I don't have to do as many dishes. <laughs> mm. I don't have to grill anything inside or-
2: Electric peanuts. bikes are yeah, good.
3: Electric bikes are probably really good.
1: What yeah. brand of bikes did you guys go with?
2: We've got the electric XTs and I, I took the mount for the Burley for the kids Stroller stroller that's Mm -hmm. the burly and flipped it upside down and I was still able to mount it on the on the electric XP so we can pull them around when we get anywhere. And uh, it's really nice.
1: Where do you guys store those when you're traveling?
2: They fit in the fifth wheel in the basement. I get both of those and my grill in the same pass-through compartment there.
0: Cool. Awesome. So speaking of space, what piece of gear was a waste of money or space? Because space is definitely a premium on our tiny homes. Oh, waste of space.
3: More
1: uh, money. Like, like you money. bought it and you're like, why did we, this is, this is all hype and no performance.
2: I think we had almost everything we left with, but it's amazing how we've been on, we did two little loops and then we did one big loop down to, you know, over the UP and down to Florida. And so 14 months in, we're still getting rid of like hundreds of pounds out of our camper at this point. Um, some things you thought
1: you needed and you've, you've, you haven't used, so you're just offloading.
2: Some yeah. of it, yeah, some of it is like kids' clothes that the kids have grown out of. So that obviously, you know, hey, we needed it when we left, and they don't need those anymore. Or we've rotated through, but some of it was like the amount of pots and pans that we brought from our like four thousand square foot house with a mat, with a big kitchen. Well, you're believe it or not, you're not going to use the same number of pots and pans when you're in a camper, mm-hmm. and we had them all. One thing I just bought, which might turn out to be a waste, but I'm really excited about it, is an electric tortilla press. As you know, making those fresh on the road is kind of cool. So nice. we nice. stoked cool. on that so far. We'll have to make well, sure that
1: we, we get together for some tacos at some point.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What have we bought that we just don't use though? I mean, honestly, I didn't know when I was going to put the solar panels on. And so we bought a nice 4,500 watt generator, generator and that thing gets started. I mean, like I said, last year we used it like once, Another not to get started just to run the yeah. fuel through it, and like we don't, I don't need it, you know. You don't need it until you need it, and then you probably really need it. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I would say, like, if I'd known how good the solar was going to perform and the as little as we would use it, I probably would step down to one of the little tiny Hondas or something.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Just to have as a backup, it. because it's really, I mean, it's a lot of extra space and weight that's sitting up there that doesn't get used. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'll run into somebody that has one of those small ones and wants a big one and I'll trade them or something.
1: There you go.
2: Do you guys have any favorite travel apps
1: or RVing apps that you use?
2: Oh uh, what is it? RV trip wizard we use quite a bit. Harvest host. Harvest host. We love Harvest Host because you know we do we try not to do more than you know try and keep it under four hours a day on drive time. And so Harvest Host we use on travel days between locations and we love it. Um Cause twist my arm to buy a beer, you know? <laughs> beer thing, yeah. And
3: then we use I overlander for when we're boondocking quite a bit and then all of our gas apps.
2: <laughs> yeah. And those we have to use more and more nowadays than we used to. We used to like gas buddy, but and that wasn't very reliable. And the get upside is good. The open roads, mm-hmm. uh, which is the, was it like TSD card? Yeah. That's kind of nice just for being able to pull into truck stops and stuff.
0: Awesome. Uh, We want to respect your time and our listeners, but if our listeners do want to connect with you, where is the best place to do that?
3: Either on Facebook or Instagram. We're Top of the World Adventures. We also are on Newsbreak and YouTube, but Instagram or Facebook is probably the the best way to get a hold of us.
0: Awesome. We will be sure to link to those
1: in the show notes. Yep. And we will definitely make sure we run into you and have some some fresh, pressed tortillas. I like it. We'll bring we'll bring some guacamole and the margaritas.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, are you familiar with green chili?
1: I mean, I know of green chili.
2: I mean, well, port green chili, like roasted Anaheim's that they turn into like smothered burritos with. You really only get it in Colorado and New Mexico. Everywhere in the country we've been, you know, you ask about green chili. Oh yeah, we've got it. But then it's a the tomatillo salsa. It's mm. so like port green chili yeah it's it's delicious you can really only get it in new mexico and colorado and uh we just got i think half of my freezer is stuffed full of roasted green (laughs) chilies now so that i can just make it as we go across the country now because that's one thing we realized we miss a lot was was having that
1: yeah yeah nice
0: awesome i look forward to those fresh pressed tortillas
1: with some smothered in pork green chilies
2: yeah there you go
1: awesome colin and anna thank you for joining us on traveling families hey thanks guys have a good one
0: We hope you found that interview insightful and encourage you to join us on the next episode of Traveling Families.
1: If you want to connect with the traveling community, please head over to travelingfamilies.co to find links to the Facebook group and all of our social media platforms.
0: Check out the show notes for all of the guest links. And if you're interested in seeing what gear other traveling families recommend, we add these items to our Amazon storefront after each episode.
1: Until next time,
0: whether for a day or a lifetime,
1: get out there and travel with your family.